Every February, I'm having tongue-tied today, I don't know why, February, February, around, which is Valentine's Day month, right? We take a few weeks um, with what we call our I Love My Church series. And some years it's one week, some years it's four weeks, this year we're taking three weeks. And we talk about our church, we talk about Portview Church. Now that's not being arrogant, like we're self-absorbed, but we're trying to say this is the church God has given us, we are the church, and let's talk about, think about, dream about who we are, why we exist, and what we hope to become. Because I hope you're not just coming to Portview just to fill time or going, you know, I really like the, ser- the sermons or I really like the worship or whatever. Those are important, but really, we are the body of Christ. And God brings us together, and, and so we want to think about, dream about, what is God asking us to be and become, and what part do you play in that? Well, last Sunday, we started by answering a question. We said, in light of COVID and, and uh, nationwide shrinking attendances, although we said our attendance you know, is, is down a bit, especially when upticks of COVID happened, but financially, we're stronger than ever. Last year was the greatest giving year in, in decades, um, when it wasn't a, you know, other than um, uh, church building years, where we're receiving money to build buildings. Um, so super strong, great year. Um, but you know what? In the nation, a lot of churches are, are half empty. One in five churches closed during COVID in America. And so we're looking and said, we asked we ask this question based on that. Does the church still matter? Do we need a church? Can't we just have one pastor in America, put it online, and we just all watch every week? And we concluded this, a resounding no, because yes, we need the church. We need the church. It's absolutely essential for our lives. And we talked about the last week. And if you weren't here, go on our, on our website and listen to that sermon. You'll see all the reasons why the church is essential, more essential today than ever. Well, today we're going to talk about something I think is vitally important. We're going to talk about what the most important quality needs to be for Portview Church, especially in light of our current culture. So think about something for a minute. If I was to ask you, what would you say the single most important thing or quality is for our church. Just think about that for a minute. What would it be? Giving to missions, you know, what, what, what would it be? Preaching good sermons, whatever. For me, I think, and I think this is the right answer, if there's a one answer, I think the most important thing is that we must be a church filled with people who are filled with love. That we must be a church who are filled with people who are filled with love. A number of years ago, as I was thinking about this, this topic and for days thinking about it and praying about it and looking at scripture, I was reminded of year, years ago when Suzanne and I and the kids were little, when we were asked to do a unique ministry, we were asked to go to a church that had a failed church plant, the community with a failed church plant, and shut it down and restart it. It was a huge task. I mean, we literally had no money. There was no financial support. We left a great church to go do this. We actually moved into somebody's basement to do it because our house wasn't sold in another state. Um, and that church had no money. It had no building. It had only a handful of people, about a dozen people. And they had a really bad reputation in the little town that they were in. And we felt compelled to go there. I'm like, are we nuts or what? We did. We thought we were nuts. We literally sat. They did a vote. We sat out in the parking lot. I was crying, begging God, please have them say no, please have them say no, please have them say no. And they said yes, because I thought, then I could just move on and go back to my church, where I was from. But they said yes, which we figured they would, and, and we took that little group, and I remember specifically, it was a rented building, it was an art center, and um, I brought them together, there was about a dozen people, and I said to them, 
I said, you know, we're surrounded by all kinds of other churches in this community. And this church, this community had a lot of other churches. And, and I said, in essence, although we're not here to compete, because it's not about competing, there was a lot of lost people who needed to find Jesus. That was our target. But I said, in essence, in reality is, we can't compete with any other churches. They have better buildings. They have, they have money. We have none. They have better programs. They have better staff. They have better pastors. They had everything better. I said, but we have one string on our guitar, and we're going to play it. I remember saying that. I don't know where it came from. I said, we have one string on our guitar, and we're going to play the one string. And the one string is, we can be the most loving group of people that this city has ever seen. And so we just kept playing that one string. For that church, all I did was play that one string. And so we set out as a congregation to love whomever we could. And guess what happened? We began to love people and reach them, and they began to see Jesus, and people started getting saved. And a lot of people came to Jesus, and that little church went from nothing to running 100 people on a Sunday morning in a couple short years. And we had 10 acres of land bought and paid for, and, and the church was doing great, and it was growing, and had full-time staff, and, and we were blossoming. Well, why? All because we focused on what I think is the most important thing. We focused on being a church filled with people who are filled with love. And it worked. Well, now come to Port Washington. Now we're at Portview. And we have for over a decade now, as a church family, focused our attention to be a church filled with people who are filled with love. And we have a way of visualizing this around here. We call him Pete. We're going to bring Pete back up here because some of you haven't met Pete yet. Last week you did. And some people said, I never saw that before. And it makes me realize why we do this all the time. Uh, every year we come back to it. And the reason we created Pete, he's a symbol of who our church is, is because in the middle of Pete, Pete, we always joke, there was a first Pete, he didn't have a heart in, on him. He had no heart. And after doing that for a year, we said, wait a minute, Pete's missing the most important thing. And we put a heart in the chest of Pete because it expresses the thing that's most important. That before we could ever think about doing the things that God's told us to do, and that's what all the, the head and the arms and the legs are about, what we're supposed to do first, before we can even think about that, we need to have the right heart, who we are. The heart of the church is the starting place. The heart is the start. Everything we do needs to flow from our heart of love. That's why we created our motto for Pete. And I say this, hey, Fort View Church, who are we? We're people who care. We're people who care. That's our, that's our heart. We care, and we chose that important for a reason. We're care, care, meaning that we put our love into action. And that's kind of how we want to use the term caring here. That people can say they love, and that's important, but in our culture, that kind of just means they have a gooey feeling about somebody. Like, I love ice cream, you know? But when we say we want to go beyond that, to putting our love into action. And we're thinking about a term in our society that we call caregivers. And especially during COVID, we've looked at our, men, as our, at our medical people who are caring for people in the hospital. And what do we call them? We call them caregivers. People who put love into action. So as Portview, as the people of Portview, we see as our highest value, the starting place, being people who care, loving others well. The heart is our start. And we didn't understand something as a church. We didn't just make that up. We didn't say, well, that sounds like a really good idea. No, we took it clearly from Scripture. It's throughout all of Scripture. If you think about Jesus, when Jesus said, what's the most important thing? He said, what? Love others, 
Love God and love others. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your, and love your neighbor as yourself. But it wasn't only Jesus who said that. Woven through everything in the scriptures is this idea that everything starts with love. Why? Because God is love. And if we're going to walk with God, we have no choice but to walk with love. Read 1 John sometime. It's just a book about saying, um, love others. If you don't love them, God's probably not with you. John's being really hard right then. He's saying, look, at, it can tell about your walk with God if whether or not you love one another. And I was thinking about this idea of love, and I was, I was thinking about a, a really uh, int- important section of Scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Corinth about how spiritual, spiritual gifts should operate in the church, how the Holy Spirit should operate in the church, the influence of God, the Holy Spirit, how that should work in the church. And he says a lot to us about this idea of love. Grab your Bibles with me and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and uh, I, want you, I want you to notice something that maybe you haven't noticed before. That in, in Paul writing about how the Holy Spirit works in the church, and we all really, really think that's really important, right? In chapter 12, we'll get to chapter 13 in a minute. In chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul's explaining all about how spiritual gifts operate in the, in the local church. He's talking about what, he's talking, not how they operate, he's talking about what they are. He's saying there's healing and wisdom and faith and miracles and prophecy and tongues and interpretation. He's saying all this stuff the Holy Spirit wants to do in a local church. Then in chapter 14, he talks about how those gifts should operate. And he basically sums it up like this. They should be done properly and in an orderly manner. That's basically the summation of chapter 14 is. He could have written chapter 12 and chapter 14 and just put them together because they really fit together. Chapter 12 says what they are. Chapter 14 says how they work. But God knew us. And he knew our need to understand the right starting point. He knew that we had to understand love. So what's he sandwiched in between chapter 12 and chapter 14 about how spiritual gifts operate? He puts in there chapter 13. And I want us to look at what chapter 13 has to say to us because it's telling us how, how the Spirit of God operates within us, what the center is, what the most important thing is before we say what the gifts are, how the Spirit operates in our lives in the church, and, and what they are and how it should operate. He sandwiches something in the middle, which is the most important part. So look with me at, at 1 Corinthians. We actually start in verse 31 of chapter 12, because I wanted to set the context about spiritual gifts. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I'll, but I'll show you still then, what's he say? A more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, these are, he's talking about all the gifts he just talked about, the gift of prophecy, and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, all these spiritual gifts. And if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, meaning he gives up his whole life for Christ, but I do not have love, it profits me, what? Nothing. It says that love is the most important, that the heart is the start. That a church or an individual Christian can do all kinds of great things for God, but if it doesn't flow from a heart of love, Paul says here, it means nothing. He says it accomplishes nothing. You see, a church can do a lot of really good things in the wrong way, and honestly, in God's eye, accomplish nothing of eternal significance. 
a while back, I was um, speaking at a church. A while back, not, not here in our community. And it was a beautiful church. When I got there, it was a beautiful church. And it had great programs. And it was sharp. I walked in. Matter of fact, I walked in and I'm like, holy cow, I'm taking pictures. Like, I can learn from this place. Like, there was, everything was good. And the service, the music was great. The, the videos that were played were great. The messaging was great all around. And I'm like, this is a sharp place. But I walked into that church and I attended the service. And then I walked out. Now, if you know me, I'm kind of an extrovert, right? I, if Suzanne always says, if there's nobody there, I'll talk to like a fence post. I never go to a place where I'm a stranger. I just talk to everybody anywhere, and I, I don't have a problem. I just, you know, you're a total stranger. I walk to you, hey, how you doing? I'm Mark. And I walk into this church like that, and as God is my witness, almost no one would talk to me. And I didn't see other people. I thought, well, maybe it's just me. But then I thought, I looked around, and I looked at other people. No one else was talking to one another. There was almost no interaction. And it just felt kind of cold. Now, maybe, and I mean this in all my heart, maybe it was just an off day for that congregation. But I didn't feel any love. I tried to talk to people, but I got very little response. And I'm honestly not trying to criticize them. I'm sure they're probably wonderful people, but I didn't experience any heart. I didn't experience any love. I didn't experience any care. I felt like they did so much well, but they missed what I thought, and I believe the Bible says, is the most important part. They had chapters 12 down, how to do it, I mean, what it is in chapter 14 down, how to do it, but they missed the most important part, chapter 13, and, and it, it looked a lot like this. They looked like Pete doing all the right things, because all churches kind of do those same five things. We'll talk about those next week. But the heart was missing, and everything looked really good, and I walked away just feeling like something was missing. It wasn't until I left, I thought it was like Pete without a heart. And I just want to tell you something, church. That will not cut it in today's world. Our society, who believes this, is pretty messed up. Our society is a mess, and it's been really exposed during COVID. What a mess it is. People are confused, and they're scared, and they're fearful with no sense of solid ground to stand on. They don't know what to believe anymore. And what they need in this time of being out of, out of just, out of sorts, what the world needs now, was a song, is love, sweet love. That's what the world needs now. You know that song? Oh, I figured not. Who does know that song? God bless you. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It wasn't in my notes, by the way. It just came to me, so. That's what we need. Our world needs to be loved well so that then we can share with them the truth that will change their life. But they're uneasy. They need to have people who care surrounding them and encouraging them and giving them strength and comfort so then we can then share the reality of Christ with them. We need people, a church filled with people who are grounded in God's love and give that love away. Let's remember something. As a church, we are the very real flesh and blood body of Christ in the world. That's not an analogy. I used to think it was an analogy. It was just a way God was describing something. It's not. Do something with me. Put your right hand out. Take your left hand. Some of you can't move in church. I know you can't just come on. 
Come on, John, put your right hand up. Take your, make, take your fingers like this, go out here, and pinch yourself. Are you flesh and blood? You're flesh and blood. We're the flesh and blood body of Christ. On purpose, Jesus calls us the body. Because we really are. He is the head. Pete shows that, a worship art. Jesus is the head. That's how Jesus describes it. And he says, we are the body. We have flesh and blood bodies. When we love others well, we reveal the reality of Jesus to the world. We reflect the goodness and the true nature of God to others. This isn't just about us being nice. The world talks about being nice. No, this is about helping the world see the reality of God reflected through us. Now, we do that imperfectly because guess what? Every one of us is far from perfect. But when we love well, we reveal the reality of God within us to the world that's around us and they're confused and they need love. God is love. And as his followers, we have been charged, changed by his love. So now our highest goal, our highest goal, is to allow his love to be seen, to affect us, change us, and then to be seen through us. The heart is the start. Being people who care is our most important starting place for everything we do as a church. And I think we get that. Now the question is then, What's that look like? What does it look like to be people who care? A few pictures here, and just take them one at a time for a second of people who care. We took this. I had no idea that I would be announcing that Jean had passed away. That's Suzanne and I visiting Jean last Sunday after church because we're people who care. People who care are our moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas caring for kids that are not their own. Notice Rangers and all the clubs we have, girls clubs, most of the people teaching them are grandmas and grandpas. Thank you, grandmas and grandpas, for loving other people, but that, that's not just for grandmas and grandpas to love other people well. It's teaching classes. It's people. It's, it's Brian and Alicia who, who work all day, and their kids are grown, and then they come and they invest in kids from our church and other churches in youth group. That's what it looks like to love well. It's, it's giving yourself away. It's, it's going when it's freezing cold outside and wearing a Snoopy costume or a, who's the red guy? Elmo costume, Roger. I haven't, I haven't been a dad with little kids for a long time. I know Mickey and Minnie. Um, or standing outside in the freezing cold for hours celebrating with our special needs community that came through. It's serving in our cafe. Every time, every time you come in, you get a cup of coffee. Did that magically make itself? It doesn't. It doesn't. People who care are serving you. You know, on Wednesday nights, Robin, oh, she's even in here. She brings me a cup of coffee by the Rangers. She walks in Wednesday night with a cup of coffee all the way around the building and says, Pastor, I know you wanted this. That's expressing love. This is what love looks like. This is, what the, this is what God wants for his church. And you know what the result of love is? This is a thing I had dibs on from Mitch last week. Listen to this response. This is only one of a number of responses from people who came through Night to Shine. This is from a, a, a mom 
who says, I just want to send a big thank you to you and your team for a wonderful event. It was so organized and fun. And that didn't happen on its own. That came by people for months because of love, taking their time and their energy and their efforts and their resources and saying, let's do this for people we don't even know who they are. It was so organized and fun. It brought, listen to this, it brought our daughter Gretchen to tears after driving through the paparazzi. The paparazzi was that big long, that's a second tent with all the cheerers. And this is what their daughter said. Their daughter Gretchen said this. She said through tears, I feel so loved. That's what Gretchen says. Mom goes on, thank you for seeing the beauty in everyone. God's love shines through all of you. Hashtag feeling loved. That's what love does. That's what love does. When you make coffee for someone, and you don't have to, guess what? The people who come to, the coffee, to come make coffee in our cafe um, in church on Sundays, they come over an hour before most people get here. And they do that. That was for night to shine. But they come over an hour. They were there, night to shine, by like 11 in the morning to love strangers so that Gretchen could say, I feel so loved, a girl who doesn't normally feel loved. What does love look like? It's a grandparent taking in their grandchildren into their house because their own children are having problems. And even when you're, well, too old to be taking care of kids, you're taking care of kids. And we have a bunch of you doing that in our church. It's adult children caring for their aging parents. It's friends helping friends process grief and loss because we've had a lot of grief and loss. It's a neighbor taking a meal to a neighbor because they're sick or they're lonely. It's couples adopting and fostering other children when they could just say, hey man, I got, I'm footloose and fancy free, I don't have to do anything. It's making coffee in the cafe. It's painting a wall. Randy, are you here? It's painting a wall. You know how many walls Randy has been painting in this church right now, and he needs some more love and help. He's painting, him and Greg, I think, are painting the entire basement to get it, to get it ready to be more usable. That's love. It's, you know what? It's talking to a stranger. You know what? It's talking to someone who's challenging to talk to that everybody else kind of drifts away from when they walk through the room. You know what love is? Love was last Friday night after three hours of freezing cold temperatures, a group of people being willing to stay after because the weather turned in freezing cold, 40-mile-an-hour winds and tearing down all of the equipment and putting it back in the garage and bringing it in the church. That's love. Paul and Christine have said to me more times than I can count since they've been here. These people do everything. They help with everything. We're not used to that. That's love. That's what a church is supposed to be like. That's what a Christian is supposed to be like. It's saying, you know what? Here's the deal. I had no desire to be out in that freezing cold weather throwing those pipes out of a trailer back up into the rafters. But guess what? What were we talking about? Max isn't in here right now. We were talking about Max, about Maximus Decimus Meridius. And I was teasing with him about the the movie um, Gladiator because of his name. And we're laughing and we're freezing our keisters off and we're throwing pipes in a, in a train of people, putting everything away. It was love. 
Love does that because it's for somebody else. That's why it's love. It's not for me, it's for someone else. And you guys all do that, and that's what God wants this church to be known as. And here's the deal. It does not require any special skills or great wealth or even tons of time to love others well. It's as simple as seeing that person on a Sunday morning who appears to be new or lonely and introducing yourself and say, hey, my name is Bob, and maybe even say later, hey, want to get lunch? Love is as simple as, as slowing down in your life enough to notice that person at work or at school or at church who looks a bit sad today. If you're so busy and so preoccupied, you can't see it, but you look and they're a bit, they look a bit sad and lonely, and you take the few minutes to sit down and say, how are you doing? And then they say, fine, and you say, how are you really doing? And they pour out your heart. Yesterday, Suzanne and I went to Qdoba. I don't know why I wanted Qdoba. And I didn't need it. I'm trying to lose weight. Told her I shouldn't go there. We did anyways. And the line was huge. And the lady who says, what do you want? The first lady, she was, I don't know, 20-something. And I just thought she looked frazzled a little bit. And I said, how's your day going? She goes, not great. And I said, how have people been treating you today? And she said, not very well. And I said, they're in the line. You won't do this. I said, hey, everybody, treat her well. She's been working hard today, didn't I? It's an old restaurant. I said, lady, you're going to treat her well, right? You're going to treat her good too, right? And we started talking, and, and she started pouring out her whole heart to me to the point that no one's arguing because she's no one's saying, like, get going because she's telling me about why she's a hard day. The, the machines didn't work. Um, the, the heat went out in the building. They were all backed up. Everyone was crabby because their food was late, you know, because everything broke down, and they were freezing. The building, there was no heat in Qdoba. And she said, talking, and all of a sudden she caught herself after like a couple minutes. She goes, oh, I better be working now. And so I said, you're all going to treat her good, right? Yep, you're going to treat her well. Friends, it's just noticing what happened. Her day was changed. Because some stranger said, are you having a bad day? And she was able to say why. Now, I'm not telling you got to interrupt the line at Qdoba. Because you do it a lot, people are probably going to drag you outside. But I just felt to do it. Church, that is what love looks like. And I don't have it figured out, but I'm just saying, that's as simple as it is. And friends, a church filled with people like this will be a church that is filled because people are desperately in need of love. People who care. That's our motto. That's our goal. That's our essential starting point. That's our heart. Now let's think about something. Let's think about, you know, we said those pictures show us what, what, what love is like. But the Apostle Paul, in the section we looked at, he also describes what love is like. It's beyond pictures, but he gives a great definition. Look back at chapter 13. And the Apostle Paul describes what love looks like. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It does not brag. And is not arrogant does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, it does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Well, this is a description of what we can be. 
This is a description of what you can be. The highest Christian goal is not to preach the gospel to everybody on the planet. That is a goal. No, the highest goal for Christians is to become more and more like Jesus, who is the embodiment of love. And in this text, the Apostle Paul helps us see what that looks like in our everyday lives. He says it's patience, it's kindness, it's, it's not bragging, it's not keeping a, a, a record of when you've been hurt. And I want to do something today as we're starting to wrap up. I'll take a few minutes, and in a couple seconds, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Don't freak out. And I'm going to read this text again. I'm actually going to read it twice. And I'll tell you why the second time when we get to it. And what I want you to do is every place, and I'm going to actually add love where love's not put in there, where it just is a sentence running on. Everywhere it says love, when I read the word love, and I'm going to read it really slow, is I want you to think of your name being there. So love is patient. So Mark is patient. Mark is kind. And I want you to do this for basically two reasons. Number one, not to beat yourself up, but to see, okay, that doesn't describe me. So I can say, okay, here's something I want to offer up to the Lord. But secondly, to say, even if it doesn't describe me now, it's what can be later, what God wants me to become. You see, this is a picture of what God wants for every one of us. He wants us to become more and more like Jesus And what Paul is simply doing here is he's painting a picture of perfect love in a human, and that's Jesus. And so he's saying this is what we can be by the activity of the Holy Spirit within us as we partner with him. So as you recognize that you don't, you just said, that doesn't really describe me. You're still saying it in your mind. Go, God, that's what I want. Help me to become that. So ready? Let's just close your eyes with me. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath in. And let it out. Take another deep breath in. And let it out. And allow your name to be in the place of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Just keep your eyes closed. I'm going to read this a second time. And as we go through this time, ask the Holy Spirit to just highlight one of these aspects of love to you. Maybe make one of them kind of stand out. Because then you're going to offer that to the Lord and say, Lord, that's what I want to become.
So let me read it again. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Now just sit for a moment with your eyes closed. Whatever has come to your mind, just sit with that for a moment and offer it up to the Lord. Say, Lord, that's what I want to become. Church, this is God's greatest hope for us. To be formed in love and to live in love with those around us. That's countercultural. That's different than the world around us. That's God's hope for you. That's God's hope for Portview. That's God's hope for Port Washington. That's God's hope for your family. That the love of Christ would change us. God's hope for our church to be a church filled with people who are filled with love. And it starts with our heart of being people who care. Jesus said it like this, the good man or woman out of the good treasure in their heart brings forth what is good. Just think about what great acts of love God will bring forth from our good hearts as we grow in love. What other nights to shine does God have in store for us where we can pour out love and transform ourselves and other people? So friends, let's invite the Lord himself to stir our hearts, to show us how we can love more like him, and then act upon what he stirs us up to do. And that's what our sermon for next week will be about. What our hearts will lead us to do. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for, for coming in love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but will have eternal life all because of love. Thank you for that. Thank you for that you are love and that we are learning more and more to see you in your love. 
and that you are shaping us more and more into people of love. It starts with the heart. And God, I pray this for each one of us at Portview Church and us collectively as the church. Lord, help us let go of the lies we believe in this world that says our job is to fight, our job is to win, our job is to conquer. And help us instead to understand our job, our, our life, our, our living is to love. Because the world's not really seen what could happen through a church that loves well. Not really. Let us love well in this environment. And let us be um, your expression in this community to our family and our friends. And say, why in the world do you do that for strangers? Why this week when, when there was a person in need going to get evicted from their, from their apartment and, and we'd helped them before in the past and it never seems to make a difference, why did we feel compelled to help them again? Because of love. One more chance to try to say, listen, this is what Jesus looks like. So Lord, fill us with love. Fill us with love, all for your glory. Transform us into love. And help us really be your body in this community, in our families, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me if you would this morning, friends. We pray a great blessing over you. Then I want to give you some instructions, a little different ending than normal. We pray this great prayer. May the Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. If you didn't know it today, and I mentioned earlier, we have an annual meeting right after church, and it's not long, and it's actually fun. We've coined a phrase around here. What is it, Pastor Mitch? Finances are fun. Only part of it is talking about finances, but that's part of it, because we want to be transparent around here. One of our values here is that transparency builds trust, so we try to be incredibly transparent as a church.